Hello and welcome to Adrian Goldberg's talk show, this time the actress Cathy Tyson. I caught up with Cathy at Birmingham Rep Theatre, where she's starring in the world premiere of Rebus, Long Shadows, a play based on Ian Rankin's fictional detective, which is heading out on a national UK tour. Cathy plays Rebus's protégé, D.I. Siobhan Clark, and in a wide-ranging conversation, she talks about that, being a single mum, and the imposter syndrome she experienced in her 20s after shooting to fame in the classic Brit flick Mona Lisa alongside Bob Hoskins. I told Cathy I was keen to speak to her, if only because she has a reputation for being outspoken. Welcome. I'm struck by what you say about me being known for being outspoken because I don't think I speak out enough. Um, So that's interesting. Um, Thank you for wanting to come and talk to me today. Podcasts is a, a new... I've never done one before, so this is my first. Um, you mentioned about me being a single mom. I, I mean, he's thirty-one next year, so your lad is a 30, 31 yeah. year old. Yeah. So, but yes, I still am one. I suppose I will continue to be a single mom. But of course, you know, he's being that age. I have a lot of freedom. I'm out in the world now deciding what I want to do. The most exciting time of my life, actually, I've worked, I've had my child, I've raised him. And now, I mean, that was that was challenging and interesting as well. But now I have this freedom to, I said to myself yesterday when I was walking through Birmingham, do you know what? You can do whatever you want. I suddenly got this sense of, wow, excitement. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad about that. But also that, that has with it, you know, that has responsibility with it as well. But also I just felt very excited. And so, yeah, I'm still a single mother and I have a lot of support. I have an amazing network of friends. I really feel supported. And so I and, and they, they, they've really, plus my mother, have really added to my backbone and I've got a lot of gratitude for them. And they're back in London, a lot of them. But I, it's it's lovely to be back at the Rep the third time. Birmingham, you know, I've had, a, this is the fourth time I've been at the Rep. A long time ago, I was playing Porsche here in a very different headspace. You know, I was, I think, in my 20s. And I'm in a much different, more healthier headspace than I was back then. I've got a fondness for Birmingham because of what it's given me. Since 2016, it's given me work. It's given me confidence. When I first faced that stage in 2016, I was scared for the first week of performance. I was scared of the auditorium. Why? Because of of the way it's built, because there isn't a breakage in it. It felt like a wall. Uh, uh, that I was fate I was I was frightened and then since then I've done the um, you know the Calixto Beato piece this year and now this so when I came back I was less scared and I hadn't played prior to 2016 I don't think I'd pr- played in as big an auditorium as that for a long time from a viewing point of view the Birmingham rep is great because you are looking down on the action but I've stood on the stage there and all of the audiences above you looking down on you yes but the thing is is the lighting states you can't you can only see up to half of them and you don't know what's beyond that in in this particular production that we're doing so you can't see all of them but I'm really glad that I was able to and I love the quality of work here the quality of craftsmanship throughout the whole building there's a set people work really hard from the cleaners the box office I've seen it there's a real industry about everybody who works here so 
it's lovely to come back and it's lovely to get to know Birmingham. I've been to Mosley Jazz and Folk Festival. My son played in Mosley Jazz Festival, which was fantastic. And I stay near there with a wonderful landlady who is very laid back and can teach me a few things about being laid back. What what are the important, really the important things of life, Cathy? Tell me about your headspace when you were here first then in your 20s. I don't really want to go into that. I'm really, really private. But I, you know, I was troubled. I was, you know, I married at 18 and I got success. I, I've since got to know myself around about 20 years ago. That was the first real self-awareness, you know, doing therapy, finding out who I was. In those days, I didn't, ha- I didn't really have a life. I didn't really know who I was. So, and it was very much work orientated, a lot of fear around work, a lot of, because I hadn't trained as an actress, I was constantly, didn't feel good enough, uh, you know, I was plagued with insecurities. And it wasn't very pleasant, um, you know, and I didn't mix with actors in the way I do now. I feel part of a team. I was, you know, it was very painful. And the irony of it was I was doing a lot of main roles. So I, whenever I see young people who are successful now, they all look as if they've got a lot, but it's always good to kind of check. They may have wealth, they may have fame. How are they really? Because I remember, I mean, the reverse has happened to me. I've got a more solid base in in who I am and I'm still discovering who I am but but the work is different you know I've I've been paid less Uh, I do more theatre which I adore so it's interesting how the reverse has happened so I and I try to say to myself you know if people are young and they get a a big break to see it's not everything and I've developed into this person that I'm happier with how did you make that breakthrough then? I think you were on the, the big screen at 17. Yeah, through theatre, I've got a lot to thank with theatre because I started at the Everyman Theatre and I got my agent from the director, Glenn Wolford. Her agent came to see the show. That, that agent took me up and she had contacts. But I think, you know, and this is a message to any young people who are listening out there, with all the success that I had when I was younger, I felt so guilty that I didn't take to the school system, right? So the success, I never felt I deserved it because I played truant at school. I wasn't studious. The only the, the, the lesson I loved the most was drama and I stayed in school for that. I made sure I was in Friday, three hours. But I carried this feeling of failure into my success when I was younger because I felt I didn't deserve it because I didn't go down the supposed ways that I still had a lot of guilt or shame about not getting O-levels then. And so, and when you think back, what I, it, it was, it's ridiculous when you think back to what I got. You know, I was internationally well-known at 20, right, for a film I did. I was given opportunities, but still inside me there was this... So any young people who doesn't, you know, you know, there's more to life than O-levels, GCSEs and and A-levels and university, although I do respect that as well. But there are different ways to live in your dream, whether it be apprenticeships, whether it be starting a a business, a pop-up business or whatever you want. It's not 
hopefully, hopefully the world is a bit more open now to the different routes into getting into to following your your path. It's strange because in one way you've got presumably what you wanted when you started acting. You know, you got the big break, you got the movie. Yeah. On the other hand, then there was a bit of you that was conscious that well, you were maybe cue jumping. The the, the imposter syndrome. I didn't know it then, mm. um, but looking back on it, I, I I don't have it now, but that's what it was, and I didn't speak to anybody about my feelings. Now I do. So I'm making up for lost time. I've made up for lost time over the last, say, 17 years of talking about what I'm feeling, sometimes on a daily basis. Oh, I've got that. I never did that when I was younger. And there is time to talk about what you feel. And there are people who want to listen. But back then, it didn't seem interesting. I didn't even have that awareness. And I was brought up by a loving mother. But I didn't have that awareness because I, I thought it was all about work. And if you were successful in work, that would make you happy. But the emotional intelligence wasn't really there. You know, and then I was worried that, you know, I brought, I was, I was, I came into the business thinking, um, suffer for your art. It's a phrase I think was born in the 50s by a particular writer. Suffer for your art. And I thought you had to suffer for your art. And so if I wasn't in pain, I wouldn't be producing good performances. Um, <laughs> so all of, you know, I never spoke about that to anybody. But, oh, God. And so, well, that's, I <laughs> think that's... back on it. I think that's absolutely so fascinating because I think you and I are uh, of an age and, and that sense, if you're a creative young person in the 80s, you felt that you had to earn your success. And part of earning that was that perhaps you had to be a bit of a tortured soul. Maybe, but I think I was a tortured soul as well, um, uh, you know. Uh, but I also think that there is, when that phrase of suffer for your art, I think it can be interpreted in different ways. I think for me, what it was essentially saying was be, be committed, be prepared to feel pain and to not worry because I remember when we did um, Mona Lisa and it was the first time I'd ever cried in, in, in work and they pushed me to that Bob said no you can you can do Bob Hoskins said you can do more there and I cried and I thought bloody hell is this what acting's about Jesus you know I, um, I, I, I wanted to just have a good time and so is this what it's about and I had a bit of an awakening on the film going Okay, so this is what this job, it's about feeling, um, feeling all sorts of feelings and being prepared to go to that place. So I hopefully have interpreted th th that saying in that way. So there's a balance to get, yeah, I'm committed, I will do that. I think playing Siobhan Clark, it's important for me to... This is your current role in yeah, Rebus Long Shadows. To know what it means to her, the dilemmas that she's in, to kind of have some idea of what it may be like to have to deal, do a deal with a criminal. You know, what that does to her sense of integrity. And it's lovely to imagine that. It's, it's, it's interesting to, for the audience to imagine that. You know, you've got these, the, you've got these personal, personal rules that you follow. And then you have to go against. 
And the re one of the reasons why she makes a decision is not to do with her own ego as well, which I found out last night. One of the great things about this performance, which is happening to me, and hopefully in my work, that each time I'm doing a play, I'm finding each time I do the play, I'm finding out more about, about the character. It hasn't all happened in rehearsals for me. It's, it's kind of arrived in performance and I didn't know that was going to happen. And it was just lovely to realise that, my God, and I respected her even more for what I feel I discovered about a, re a reason that she made was actually nothing to do with her own ego. And she's op the opposite of Rebus. She's she's about teamwork. He's about, he's the maverick. But I really kind of respected her for her humility, for actually she's made this decision and she's compromised herself for somebody else because for their happiness. And that moved me. And I found that last night. But as an actor, I think what's important as well, which is what wonderful about John Stahl's character, John Starr plays the yeah, criminal Jer McCafferty, yeah. Jer is the, the big sort of kingpin of the Edinburgh underworld and mm. he thinks he's got something over you and, yeah. and over Rebus. He has, and I think for an actor, what is interesting, you know, we don't... What, what, what are mis mistakes that actors can make is that they feel they have to like their characters. But it's more important to know your character Whereas before there was this thing about, you know, it's a, you know somebody would say, I think, you know, you, to people in rehearsal rooms or, or in performance, you know, you don't like your character, do you? Um, but I, you know, not to me, that's not being said to me, but it is more important to know my character than to like my character. In this instance, I just happen to because of oh that's a nice that 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 makes you know that's lovely to discover about you but it's more important that i know and and what i might know maybe something that isn't nice and i have to play it so i think the mistakes the actors can make it some actors can make is that they have to like their character no you have to know your character or discover the character and then perform it she's also a strong and successful woman in what has traditionally been a man's world in the mm. police force and a world which is coming to terms with 21st century thinking but where there are still people like Rebus who were in many ways in their thinking dinosaurs. Mm. The world of acting I suspect is a little bit more progressive than the world of the police force that Rebus acted. I don't know about that <laughs> I, because I don't know about the police force. The world of acting I mean it's in in the world of change, I think it's just important to be yourself and to have to have a voice. So you know, to have the courage to say who you are, and to also know that you know every people are changing at different rates. So when I was younger, I was far more angrier about you know this this shouldn't be this way and this shouldn't be that way. I'm assertive now, but. I think I, I'd like to try and be realistic about about people. You know, people are changing at different rates, and to try and understand people's behaviour and work with people who are different to me is a massive, massive challenge. Work with people who are different for me, not just at work, but just to listen to people who have deeply opposing views how am I you know that's the real cha challenge and not to kind of like be quiet about that but to try and give do my little
fit to make the world a better place. And some of that has got to be where I tolerate people of different views in the world of acting. I think, you know, if I've got the strength, it's about creating things I want to create for myself to work in. I've got an idea that I want to do. I, that just means I have to just get behind it. Nobody, you know, I, I've got a big enough mouth. And thankfully, when I was um, a young person, my first job was on a market stall selling jeans. And it taught me how to speak as a young person because I was shy and I had to face strangers and talk to them about the products. And I'm ever grateful for that jean store in Leo's Market where you're smiling there. Um, <laughs> that because I learned language about, I learned, learned about communication and it took me a long time to sell a pair of jeans because I talk an awful, I was so polite and I talk a lot about, and it was a, a joy. So from that experience, so I, I go back to that thinking that, you know, I believe in the power of communication and I've always asked for things. I might not get them, but I say, can I have this? Would I be able to come and work here again? And it's not what we Brits are known for that di direct kind of, I'm not always like that, but uh, you know, I think the Americans have a far, a culture of where, you know, they can ask for things, they may not get them, but I just hope I can ask for things, especially as a person of, of the age I'm at, where, and I hope I get the challenges. Apparently, I was speaking to an actress friend yesterday and she said to me, because I was thinking, you know, the women of my age, there is more competition among the younger group of actress, actors apparently than there are of my age because people leave the business. Now I've not really even contemplated it like that because I know women of my age who are still in the business. But when she said that, I just thought, wow, I'm not gonna be leaving. And as I say, I'm, an, I'm at the most exciting time of my life at the moment. I don't have any children to look after. I'm free. I've got I, I'm health, the healthiest I've ever been. Not Even if you do have children, I'm not saying that's not an exciting time. I felt fantastic about sometimes, you know, about bringing a child into the world. And, I, you know, I, I really respected the role of myself being a mother. I tried to, you know. When people ask me what I did, I would say first that I was a mother and secondly that I was an actress because I was very proud of that. But I just want to be able to fulfill, there's still potential, you know, I'm in my 50s, early 50s, and it's like, I'm roaring to go. I've been in university, um, a mature student, so my energy level and all that experience that I've garnered over the years, and the, happy, the happier person that I am now, everything's coming to fruition. But I have to end it on this. My, I was born to a mother, she was 42 when she gave birth to me. So age was always something that I looked up to because I was born into the cradle of age, right? And I saw my mother work. She was a single parent, she was a professional woman. She took me on holidays. So for me, getting older has always meant there's more to enjoy, not this attitude of things are gonna get creaky when you get older and it's, it's, it's a thing of less. To me, it's always, oh, okay, well, we've got more time on this planet. What am I gonna do with it? That's the way I feel today. Some days, 
you know, if I'm not feeling too good, I do doubt that. It's not always this gung-ho attitude. It's a mixed bag. One final thought, Ben, because I know you've supported Lenny Henry's campaign to increase diversity in the acting world. I just wonder, as you develop into your 50s, whether you fear now that, never mind racism, which has unquestionably been an issue in the entertainment industry over many decades, whether you face a new foe, ageism, because there may be fewer competitors for the roles for a woman of your age, I would suggest that there are probably fewer roles as well. I think more, you know, there's a book called 100 100 Great Plays for Women written by um, Lucy Kerbel, which is on my tablet. So the roles are there. You know, I I can't, I'm just not in a position to wait. I have to make. So, you know, that's what I have to consider. But you're going to be making more of your own work. I have to. Your own work that you star in. Yeah, yeah. But also, hopefully, and be available for other work. Um, Because I'm hungry. I'm hungry and it's wonderful to have that hunger because at one stage in my life I I wasn't hungry and it was like I was fed up and jaded. So to have this hunger is great. It's like that's a real nice energy to have inside me. Cathy Tyson, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to all my stuff. Um, Lovely.